0: welcome to the family finance show with diana granu proudly brought to you by old mutual this podcast is your weekly guide to effective budgeting planning and future-proofing of your family's finances because money matters to every family and every family matters at old mutual enjoy the My show name is diana and this is the family finance show the podcast to help you manage your family's finances better Every week, we share an episode on topics relating to increasing your family's income and managing expenses, controlling your debt, and investing for the future. Welcome to the Family Finance Show, and thanks so much for listening. Today, my guest is tax expert Kate Baum from Creative CFO. Kate, welcome to the show, and tell us, what's the difference between a creative accountant and a creative CFO?
1: Great. Well, thanks so much for having me today, Diana. Um, A creative accountant and a creative CFO. I, I suppose we like to think that hopefully as a creative CFO, we like to give you that just bigger picture and be able to look at your business holistically and not only from an accounting point of view and try and make your business as successful from every aspect.
0: So today, we're talking about tax, Kate, uh, your field of expertise. And as Benjamin Franklin famously said, nothing is certain except death and taxes. Uh, But even so, people pay taxes with a certain reluctance, and they probably feel the same way about taxes as they do about death and not enthusiastic. Um, But let's maybe start with the basics then. Why are we taxed? Where does the money go? And what is it used for?
1: Yes, absolutely no. Unfortunately, it it does definitely have a a negative connotation and people don't like to talk about it and even when I say that I'm in tax, people's you know eyes glaze over and they're not very interested but I think it's really important to empower yourself with the knowledge of why we pay tax, how we pay tax so that you can actually take control of your financial situation so I think that's a great place to start so, so why are we taxed? We really are taxed um, we're taxed by the government the the government is uh, takes money from our salaries able to, be, to be able to pay for things like roads schools, hospitals and other government services and the South African Revenue Service or called SARS they collect the taxes on behalf of government so it's really essential that we do contribute to it even though we don't always want to.
0: Yes indeed and so because we have to pay tax by law um, how do we make sure that we comply with uh, the tax directives from the government?
1: Yeah, and this is where it gets really important. Um, it's it's quite tricky because the tax year doesn't always correspond with the calendar year, and that's why it's really confusing to a lot of people. But basically, the South African tax year runs from the 1st of March every year to the end of February the following year. So, for example, we're currently in the 2020 tax season now. So that year started on the 1st of March 2019, and it ends on the 28th of February 2020. And all individuals have to follow this tax structure. Companies have a little bit of flexibility, and they can change their year ends to align with their operations. So for example a school who runs with a calendar year could have their tax year running from 1st of Jan to 31st of December but for all us individuals it's the 1st of March to the 28th of February and then there are certain returns that you have to do within that year depending on what kind of taxpayer you are. But at a minimum you have to do one annual income tax return a year.
0: So to talk a bit about the different kinds of taxpayers, so for most of my career for the last 15 years, I was part of a big corporates, and in that case, the 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 company just took off a paye off my salary i didn't it didn't even come into uh, my bank account and now as a business owner i get paid the money and then i have to pay that over to SARS at a, a different time so what are are those the two different uh, income taxes or are there more can you give us a bit of an overview yes. of the different types
1: Exactly. You've hit, you've hit the two. Um, they basically are two different methods of facilitating the tax payments. They're not different types of tax. So the first one, you're correct, it's called pay as you earn or PAYE. And that really, um, employers who pay remuneration to employees above the threshold, they have to register for pay as you earn. And they have to withhold pay, pay as you earn from employees every single month and pay that over to SARs. Um, And really what it acts as is a tax credit against your final income tax liability that you calculate when you submit your annual income tax return. So as you say, you don't even actually see it. You get paid into your bank account the amount less the pay as you earn. So your employer takes it and meets their obligations there. Um, And you're taxed according to a certain set of tax tables. It's on a sliding scale. They change every year as well. Then if you earn any other income besides a salary, then You you would be registered as a provisional taxpayer and you would register via e-filing or when you first register for tax to begin with. And then you have to pay tax twice a year because you're not paying pay as you in every month. You would have to do a tax return submission every six months and potentially a payment if required at those every six month interval. So in addition to your annual income tax return, you'd have to do two provisional tax returns plus potentially two provisional tax payments so that SARS get their tax during the year.
0: So would that be, for example, if somebody had a rental property or a side hustle in addition to their their
1: standard job where they paid PAYE? Exactly, exactly. It, it would be so great if you've got that little side hustle in the business. Great example is rental income. You would have to work it out. And in addition to, let's say, a salary, you would host also have to be a provisional taxpayer. And you would use the provisional tax mechanism to pay over your tax two SARS twice a year. And then obviously at the end of the year, when you calculate your full annual tax liability, any payers you earn that came off your salary and any provisional tax that you paid on your rental income would come off your total tax liability so you might not necessarily need to pay anything else if you've kept up with those payments during the year.
0: And what about people who are digital nomads, people are, are working all around the world now or for companies all around the world. And there's this trend towards um, multiple sources of income. So how do you know if you, you potentially you are a tax resident in South Africa, but you receive income from all around the world? Or could you be a tax resident in two, two different countries? How do you pay tax in that situation?
1: Yes, it's a very good question. I think it's becoming a lot more relevant these days with, as you say, so many people working from anywhere in the world, or at least from home, you know, given COVID. Um, the, The important concept is the South African tax resident definition. And it does get quite technical, but I'll just try and summarize it for the purposes of today. Basically, there are two tests. One is a subjective test and one is an objective test. The one is whether you consider yourself an ordinary tax resident of South Africa. So it's really, do you consider it your home? And the other is a physical presence test, which is an objective test and you work out the number of days you spend in South Africa in a year, a certain number of them have to be continuous over a five-year period, and then you would be deemed a South African tax resident. If you are a South African tax resident, then you're taxed on your worldwide income in in South Africa. So whether you earn money in South Africa or anywhere else in the world, you would have to pay tax on that income in South Africa. However, there are also double tax treaties or double tax agreements between South Africa and most of the other countries in the world, and these agreements govern who has the right to tax that certain type of income. So, for example, even though you're taxed on your worldwide income, the agreement might say you pay tax in the foreign country. But it is important to note that you'll never pay tax twice on the same income. You might then just be getting a tax credit in the one jurisdiction. But um, that is it sort of in a nutshell. So if you are a tax resident, you would, be have, to, you would have to declare all your income to SARS And SARS is also getting a lot more information from third parties, such as local banks, foreign banks, uh, and all of that. So it is good to just declare all your income.
0: And as you say, it does get quite, quite complicated depending on the laws of the different countries. So a really good idea if you are one of those people who earns income from around the world to get advice specific to your situation.
1: Yeah, I think it's always good to touch base just to understand exactly so that you don't underpay or overpay and so that you also can manage your cash flow if you are going to be paying taxes in different areas.
0: What about other tax which isn't income tax? So um, taxes on investments, for example, I pay, I know about dividend tax and capital gains tax. Are there any other taxes around
1: investments? Yes, so correct. The first one you've mentioned is dividends tax, which is taxed at a rate of 20%. Then the other type of um, investment tax per se is tax on interest income. So you would be taxed on local and foreign interest earned. It's taxed in a similar way to normal income. It it gets added onto your total taxable income per year. But there is an annual exemption on the first 23,800 rand this that's the, the the exemption this year of your south african income so that would be another kind and then you mentioned capital gains tax that is applied when you sell the shares
0: mm. so you're not if you if you have an asset that's appreciated in value you're not going to have to be liable for capital gains tax
1: until you sell that asset is that right that's correct. Yeah, when you sell the shares, then you're taxed on the gain or the appreciation, and that would be the difference between the base cost what you bought it for or got it for versus the selling price. And then again, there is an annual allowance of 40,000 rand by which you reduce the gain, and then you take a portion of the gain, which it's currently for individuals is 40%, that you include in your taxable income, and then you get taxed. And if you on the highest tax rate, again it's getting quite technical and complicated, but the maximum effective rate applied to a capital gain is 18%. So you're not just taxed on the on the full amount, it's a portion of the gain gets included and then depending on the tax rate or the tax bracket that you fall into, the maximum would be 18%.
0: Okay, so so capital gains depends both on what your what tax bracket you fall into and then Correct. what your gain has been and, and it's applied in a certain complicated way. Okay. Exactly. Exactly.
1: So it's effectively sort of lower than a normal uh, tax rate of income per se, because you're only including a portion of it.
0: And lower than dividend tax, because dividend tax is 20%, if I'm correct.
1: Yes, correct. Um, If you're at that top bracket, it'll always be lower, but even if you're at the top bracket, it'll still be lower. So correct. Okay.
0: Okay. Um, And what about uh, the government's incentivizing south africans for savings like like everyone around the world or most countries south africans aren't the best at saving so there are a couple of incentives for saving right there's um, tax rebates for uh, pension funds or ras and also tax-free savings accounts is that right
1: Yes, that's correct. I think SARS is really trying to encourage and reward, you know, individuals for contributing to a retirement fund. So any contributions that you make, they are actually tax deductible. They are capped to a certain amount. So it's either up to about twenty seven and a half percent of your total annual income or the total amount is capped at three hundred and fifty thousand rand per year. But that's great because it is um, It really does encourage you to contribute if you've got that disposable income. And then another um, introduction with the tax-free savings accounts. And they really are an incentive to encourage household savings. You don't have to end up paying any income tax, dividends or capital gains tax on the returns from these investments. But again, if you're in that position that you've got that disposable income, it's a really useful um, contribution to make every year. You can make it for yourself or for your spouse or for your children. And it's a really great way to start Saving and have no no tax tax effects to it.
0: What about if you can't make the full contribution in one year? I think it's thirty six thousand rand currently. Could, does that yes. carry over to the next year? So the
1: next year, could you contribute, let's say fifty thousand? Because you do no no, to- okay. no. Unfortunately, you can't do that. So it's an annual limit each year. So you can just do as much as you can in each year, but then you're. If you can't reach the maximum bracket for each year, then obviously you would just be able to ultimately save for more years until you reach that lifetime limit of 500,000.
0: Right, right. Um, Also, Kate, what about ways to reduce tax? I'm sure everyone is keen to to reduce the tax that they pay. Uh, Are there things like home offices, for example, medical aid contributions? I'm not sure how that works and how medical expenses are claimable and even travel expenses, uh, logbooks. I remember when I started working, I was able to claim tax back. I was doing consulting and, and we kept a logbook, but that I'm not sure if that that benefit is still there. So what are some of the ways we can reduce our
1: tax bill? Yeah, these are great things to look at. I think people are always looking at ways to reduce tax. Obviously, it has to be a legitimate um, expense that you've incurred. Um, so let's break it up into those three. So the first one you touched on was home office, which is very topical at the moment, especially given light of COVID. Mm. However, you do have to meet the criteria. It's not as simple as saying, I work from home or I work from home on Monday. You really need to meet the criteria. The criteria existed before COVID happening. And the two, the two most prominent um, criteria are that you are required by your employer to work and maintain an office at home. So SARS could ask for supporting documentation for something like an empo- employment contract, which shows that you're required to do that. And then you would have to have a space or an office that's specifically equipped and regularly used for the purposes of your job or your trade. So, for example, you can't just be working at your kitchen counter. You would have to have space or a desk or an office that's been set up. So, for example, you've got the printer, you've got the computer that is there for you to use as an office, and you use it for more than fifty percent of the time, and then you can claim this home office tax, deduct- tax deduction of the expenses you've incurred. But just to just to acknowledge that if you do put in that deduction, that SARS can ask you for those supporting documentation to show to show that you were required to work from home, that you do have the space, and then then you can claim it. So that that is a great one if you do meet those criteria. Uh, it would oh, become more applicable. For, yeah, exactly. More applicable for more people as we go down. I think a lot of companies are, you know, trying to reduce overheads with with offices yes. and the like. Yeah. So that's a good one to note. And then um, you mentioned the medical tax credits, correct? So if you contribute to a rec- recognized medical aid scheme, then you do get a medical tax credit every year. The amount is calculated on the number of dependents on the scheme. So, for example, if you, if you personally contribute and then you also pay for, say, a spouse and some children, and then in addition to that, there are certain qualifying medical expenses you can claim. But again, there are rules and that they're subject to certain expenses and certain limitations as well. But obviously, depending on your personal medical situation, one can look into what would qualify.
0: That was then, a bit of a complicated one because I remember when I had I had my two children and they were we were on hospital plan but there were extra expenses involved in the birth and I could never quite figure out what was included and what wasn't so I guess as you say there's a whole lot of rules and laws around that that you'd ha- you'd need to be aware of it's not just as simple as submitting
1: your your receipts to SARS right exactly unfortunately so you do need to keep all those receipts because if you do try to claim and SARS may request that supporting documentation so with all these expenses we really requ- uh, recommend that you keep the supporting documentation but it is quite complicated and it does depend on what you're claiming and it, it, their limitations and their values and their thresholds so again if you are if you do have quite heavy expenses or, or you know you want clarity on that it would be probably great to reach out to you know a tax professional who can help you on that and then and then the third one you also touched on is travel and that's a really good one as well because again SARS require you to maintain a logbook uh, they do also provide a template of a logbook on the SARS website so that's always great to know what information is required so you can get reimbursed for the trip business travel that you do for for your employer for example however you must be aware that it's only for actual business kilometers traveled so f- you traveling from your home to office is actually not considered business kilometers. It would only be, say, going from your office to a client and back. And then you would need to keep a logbook of those kilometers. And then you would have to multiply them by the rate per kilometer. And SARS prescriber rate at the moment is 3.98 uh, per kilometer. And then that payment or reimbursement that you receive for the kilometers multiplied by rate is non-taxable. But there again, are limits to that, you can't exceed 12,000 kilometers, and it can't exceed the prescribed rate per kilometer. Mm, interesting.
0: And what about, so we, we talk a lot about families here on the Family Finance Show, Kate, um, are there any benefits, tax benefits for families or for people who are married?
1: Yes, um, absolutely. So obviously, Marriage per se, there are lots of different ways to recognize marriage. So it's not only the common law marriage that's recognized, but any donations between spouses are actually completely exempt of donations tax. So that's a really useful, useful exemption to, to be aware of. There aren't many other tax benefits. I suppose it's very important to know though, if you are married in community of property, that then there is a 50-50 split of passive income that you would have to declare. So when you fill out the tax returns, it asks you if you're married, and it also asks you how you're married. And being in community of property does have a tax effect. As I say, you'll be splitting it 50-50 between you and your spouse of your passive income. So not your salary income, any other side hustle money like rental income and the like. You would split and each get taxed in your individual capacity.
0: Hmm, interesting. Okay, um, Kate. The final question that I have for you is one that I ask all my guests, and that is, what is the one piece of financial advice you'd like to pass on to
1: your children? Gosh, that's that's always a tricky one. I think it actually comes down to saving. I think that's uh, I think that's really important. I think we don't acknowledge it enough, and I think we don't acknowledge how saving from a little bit from a young age can have a really great impact down the line and I think something like these tax-free savings accounts, which are a relatively new addition and not everyone knows about. And even if you can't contribute to that maximum annual limit that we were talking about earlier, even if you can just put a little bit away and it can have no tax effect, you know, any appreciation on those savings would be really useful down the line. So I think um, savings would be my number one. And then I think empowering yourself with the knowledge. As I said today, you know, tax is not a topic everyone gets excited about or um, really wants to know about and just actually don't want to pay it. But I think knowing your situation is so important to understand why you're doing something to to maximize and make your financial situation as efficient as possible. You know, we've alluded to things like deductions that are available, credits that are available. And being able to use those and knowingly use those, I think, is very powerful. And knowing when you need to make payments can also help you, you know, manage cash flow and not get into debt and not pay pay interest in the likes of that. So I think my two tips would be savings and and empowering yourself with the knowledge of the financial side of either your individual situation or obviously if you you're running your own business.
0: Indeed, like I can't agree more. Knowledge is is so powerful. And I think that's one of the reasons why we do these podcasts is is to help people out there Get the knowledge so that they can make better financial decisions for their families. And one of those areas of knowledge is around tax. So, thank you so much for your time and all your expertise today on the show, Kate. Okay, it's much appreciated.
1: Absolutely, thanks so much for having me, and always here to answer any questions that you might have. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast to stay on the journey to improving your family's financial well-being. Thank you for listening to the Family Finance Show with Diana Grenou, proudly brought to you by Old Mutual. The time is now to own your financial future. Visit oldmutual.co.za for more great advice, articles, free budgeting tools and calculators or to find a financial advisor. We'll be back next week.